Welcome to Grace and Glory, the radio ministry of Grace Valley Christian Center, featuring biblical teachings of the Christian faith with Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and former professor in Greek and theology. Pastor Matthew holds degrees from Westminster Theological Seminary, and he pastors Grace Valley Christian Center in Davis, California, adjacent to the University of California at Davis. Join us today for part two of a special Thanksgiving message, Worship as Thanksgiving. Last week, Pastor Matthew shared with us about the life we were called out of, a life of slavery to sin, a life of obedience to Satan, of misery and guilt, a life under the wrath of God. But thanks to the grace and love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ has set us free from our bondage to sin and Satan and has made us people of God. Now for part two of Worship as Thanksgiving. If you have your Bible with you, turn with us to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. Now here's our teacher, Pastor Matthew. So notice in strong contrast to our previous life of conformity to this world's philosophy and lifestyle, we are to be transformed in our attitude and actions as we live all of our life in this world. As a result of regeneration and new birth. Or as we read in Romans 8. As a result of God's effectual call of us. There have taken place radical change. In our disposition. Something happened. In our disposition. In our heart. In our outlook. We have been made able. To love God. To think God's thoughts. And to do God's will. There has been great and fundamental change in our heart. You look at a caterpillar, it is changed into a butterfly. That's what transformation is all about. A sinner, a slave of sin, is transformed inside out into a saint. So Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, You were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Don't you think that is transformation? Don't you think that is fundamental change? Brought about by a supernatural mighty work of the Spirit of God. Darkness turned into light. Jesus himself said you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That's the nature of the new covenant. We have been given a new heart. We are taught of the Lord. We've been forgiven all of our sins. We've been given the perfect righteousness of Christ. And our glorification is so assured. St. Paul tells us we have been glorified. Do you want to know who we were? Turn with me to book of Mark chapter 7. Let me read to you verse 20 and 21. Verse 21, for from within out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. But salvation brings about a new heart. Hallelujah. It's not the same old heart so that we can keep on doing evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, and greed, and so on. Have you heard of that 
perverse theology. Receive Jesus as Savior. And you don't have to worry about receiving him as Lord. There has been a change of heart in our salvation. We have experienced new birth. We have a new mind. The mind of Christ. We are new creation, we are told. We are new men and women. Something happened. The age to come has invaded into this present evil age. Hallelujah. And the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 5. Let me read it to you. It says this. It is impossible for those who have once enlightened. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the goodness of the word of God. And the powers of the coming age. In Jesus Christ. The age to come has invaded in to this age how do you know our lives are changed we receive the Holy Spirit hallelujah our thinking has been changed our affection is changed new creation we are new men new mind and therefore we are able to experience continuous transformation inside out now this has reference to our sanctification isn't that true that's what this has reference to. We are born again, but we must grow as God's children. Some people think, you know, saved means everything has happened and you don't have to do anything. Oh no, that's just the beginning. You remember these uh, seven children born to somebody? Little small creatures, three pounds, four pounds. <laughs> that's not the end of it. <laughs> they have to grow. Isn't that true? And so also we must grow. Continuous transformation. We must mature and become more holy. We are to be godly. God justifies the ungodly so that he can be godly. The purpose of God saving us is revealed to us in Romans chapter 8. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. To be conformed to the likeness of his son. That we walk in his steps. We think the way he thought. We love the way he loved. We will the way he willed. Now this conformity or transformation to Christ. Is something we have to do. You, those of you who know the Greek, it is a present passive imperative. This transformation is continuous and it is a command. And it is in the passive tense. This means <laughs> you'll get some help. Isn't that true? But nevertheless, it is something you have to cooperate with. With the Holy Spirit. We have the freedom to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. In this work of sanctification. And uh, we read about this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces behold. The Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. 
with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We behold, that's our responsibility, we behold what? God. We behold Christ and we are transformed by the Lord. And sanctification is a lifelong joint venture. God and us. We are to be transformed, that's a command. God transform us and we behold God. Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and, and let me read to you once again the beatitude which is certainly not the attitude of an unbeliever but it is the attitude of a believer. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And so on. You see, that is, that's what happens when we are transformed. Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good purpose. Notice that. Sanctification is a joint venture. You begin to wonder why you are not experiencing much change. We must conclude because we do not cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I asked somebody, is this so-and-so in the church? No, he's not coming to church anymore. I said, does he have a job? Yes, he has a job and he has a good job and he has a house and he has children, he has a wife, he has cars and, and he has everything. <laughs> How is he doing in his life? Not very good. Well, he hasn't cooperated much with the Holy Spirit. Now, this transformation... We are to be transformed specifically where? In our thinking. Our dedication of ourselves as living sacrifice to God is to be achieved negatively by lifelong shunning of evil, but positively by lifelong transformation of our mind. Let me tell you, we are living in a mindless age. The Middle Age, there was church. Authority, revelation. Oh, then they came into enlightenment. <laughs> Faulty reason to be the final authority. You know where we are now? Subjectivity. Forget about even faulty reason. We said goodbye to even that. Subjectivity is truth. Do your own thing. We are living in a mindless age. Christians themselves do not want to think. So worship has become entertainment. I was told before I came here that uh, some church voted out the pastor, the Presbyterian church, I believe, because he preached too long. I thought he committed adultery or something. No, because he preached too long. No, we don't want to think. We want to feel good. Unbeliever knows God, yet he deliberately exchanges this knowledge of God in favor of godless philosophy. In his heart, he says, there is no God. 
his mind is described in this book, Romans 1.28, as depraved, God rejected. A mind that does not meditate upon God is a depraved mind, a twisted mind, a worthless mind. It has become empty and worthless. Now salvation by this powerful gospel brings about a new mind. A mind that delights in God. A mind that yearns to know God in revelation and creation. A mind that praises God. A mind that says, credo ut intelligam. I believe in order that I may understand. Unbeliever's mind is controlled by sin and Satan. It is enmity against God. It hates God's law. It refuses to submit to it. But the exact opposite is true of those who are saved. Ephesians 4.23 says we are made new in the attitude of our minds. Colossians 3.10 says we are to put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Evidence of salvation consists in our thinking God's thoughts Loving God's will and willing God's purposes. It is impossible to worship God without a renewed mind. Shallowness of thinking results in shallowness of worship. Now let me tell you, all atheistic thinking is shallow thinking. It takes a renewed mind to understand the gospel as revealed in Romans. To understand the mercies of God. And without renewed mind that understands the richness, the wideness, the greatness of the mercies of God displayed in the incarnation of Jesus Christ and in his life and in his death and in his resurrection and in his ascension and in his session. It takes correct thinking to understand that Without such understanding, we cannot offer our souls as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Let me tell you what the mind of an unbeliever is. It is described by St. Paul in Philippians 3 and verse 19. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. And I could look and see some of your minds are on earthly things. Earthly things will cause your hearts to throb and get excited. And you can sit in this place and go to sleep because your mind is on earthly things. They are sin bound, lust bound, cosmos bound, this age bound. They have not experienced that glorious freedom that sets us free. From this bondage. So their mind is on earthly things. If this is so. Our mind. As God's people. Should be on what? On heavenly things. And you look at the book of Revelation. And you look at heaven. And what do you see? God. You see God. And when our mind is on heavenly things. We exclaim. How great thou art. The truth is the image of God that was marred is restored to us that we may contemplate God and commune with him. 
Christianity is not mysticism that negates word and mind. So we need to renew our mind as we think about the gospel, as we think about truth. We are sanctified by truth. Jesus Christ prayed, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. How can we grow in the knowledge of God? How can we know the will of God without intellectual activity aided by the spirit of truth? We are children of God. We are led by the spirit of God. By his controlling our mind, affections and will. That's what leading of the Holy Spirit means. A life controlled by the mighty Holy Spirit enjoys life, especially in the enjoying of peace with God and peace of God. We do not exchange truth for a lie. We exchange lie for truth. That is an ongoing activity because sin is still in us. So there is a continuous exchanging of what? Lie for truth. That's why it says, be not conformed, but be ye transformed. And this is the evidence that we have been saved. We study creation and we praise God. We study revelation and we worship God. And so St. Paul tells us, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. So since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Unbeliever, their minds are on earthly things. Notice our mind, if we are saved, ought to be on heavenly things. So we are called to a lifelong non-conformity to the spirit of atheism of this age. We are called to a lifelong transformation of God to God in the attitude of our minds and our actions. A lifelong mind renewal. And the third point, let me tell you what it is. First is confirmation. Second is transformation. And third is jubilation. The text says... The text says, the result of all this nonconformity and transformation is that, that you may approve, you may experience that God's will is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. And that ought to make you happy, isn't that true? Try it, and you discover. Yeah, I know the will of God is it is good because it is God's will. But I think what I discovered is it is good for me. It is good for us. Satan tells you it is very bad. Isn't that true? Don't put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's very bad. But you discover that it is good. And you discover in your life and experience on a daily basis basis it is pleasing to you the exact opposite of let's turn to genesis chapter 3 you remember that chapter where there was uh, verse 6 of genesis 3 when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it satan says satan's will is good and pleasing and wonderful 
all unbelievers are duped by this idea. And Adam had the opportunity to try and test and find out whether God's will was good and pleasing and perfect. He refused to do so. Instead, he tried in his lie to do the will of Satan and found that it was what? Miserable. It was bad. It filled him with guilt. He was lonely. But I'm saying, you and I will discover as we dedicate our life to God and say no to unrighteousness and yes to God, we will discover on a daily basis doing the will of God is good for you. It is pleasing to you. It is perfect, lacking in nothing. It fills your heart with great jubilation and you rise and praise God. Great thanksgiving. Let me tell you, we will discover on a daily basis the result of this nonconformity and transformation is this. Psalm 19 verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Meaning making the simple wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving what? Joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. This is what we will discover. We will discover it's good, it's pleasing, it's perfect, it's full of joy, it's full of satisfaction, it's full of freedom. It causes you to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, this salvation is great salvation. Praise you, oh God. It's a wonderful salvation. Hallelujah. It's freedom to say no to ungodliness and to say yes to righteousness. And on a daily basis, I discover God's will is good for me. It is pleasing to my soul. It is perfect. It fills me with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see, unbeliever, Romans 1 verse 21 tells unbeliever is unthankful. The believer is the exact opposite. <laughs> Psalm 34 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is calling us to a walk of faith. Believe in the gospel. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. I have found that out in my life. My mother told me about the gospel. My father told me about the gospel. God gave me grace to trust in the gospel. And I must say that it is good. You have been listening to Grace and Glory with Pastor P.G. Matthew. 